0: Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Those words of our Lord in the Sermon of the Mountain, the Beatitudes. And we know Our Lady declares in the Magnificat, All generations will call me blessed. Blessed is Mary because she mourns, for she shall be comforted. You know, normally we don't think of someone who is mourning as blessed. Just doesn't kind of seem to go together. But it can. And I think our Lord wants us to understand That if we mourn with love, we will be blessed. And Our Lady shows us the way. Certainly at the Annunciation, Mary was filled with great joy. The angel declared to her that you shall bear a son and he shall be called Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. Mary knew the prophecies. And the greatness of the Messiah was certainly something to be hoped for. And that now she was the mother of the Messiah dwelling in her womb. And this filled her with joy that joy that she brought with her when she visited her cousin Elizabeth and broke out into the Magnificat. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowliness of his handmaid. Henceforth, all generations will call me blessed, for the Almighty has done great things in me, and holy is his name. But I imagine the conversation between Elizabeth and Mary continued. And maybe, most likely, Zachary, Elizabeth's husband, also participated. Even though he couldn't speak. Mary must have approached him knowing that he was very knowledgeable of the scriptures What does the scripture say about the Messiah? And he would have opened up a scroll and pointed to Mary to read. Mary would have read. What would she have read? What would Zachary have pointed out to her? Maybe some of the prophecies of the suffering servant in Isaiah... From the soles of his feet to the top of his head, there was nothing healthy in him. Wounds and bruises and swelling sores. They are not bound up or dressed or anointed with oil. Or a little bit later, there's no beauty in him, no comeliness. We have seen him and there's no sightliness that we should be attracted to him. Despised and the most abject of of men, a man of sorrows. And acquainted with infirmity. And we looked at him and, as it were hidden and despised, whereupon we esteemed him not. He bore, he has borne our infirmities and carried our sorrows, and we have taken him for a leper when struck by God and afflicted. He offered him, he was wounded for our iniquities and bruised for our sins. On him fell the Punishment that brought us salvation, and by his wounds we were healed. Or maybe he pointed to the song. they have pierced my hands, my feet, I can count all my bones, they stare and gloat at, over me. Or from the Book of Wisdom, talking about how he would be despised by the leaders of the Jews. Let us lie in wait for the righteous man because he opposes our actions. He reproaches us for sins against the law. He professes to have knowledge of God and calls himself a son of God, son of the Lord. Let us see if the words are true. Let us test him what will happen at the end of his life. For if if the righteous man is God's son, he will help him and will deliver him from the hands of his adversaries. Let us test him with insults and torture, that we may find how gentle he is and make trial of his forbearance. Let us condemn him to a shameful death, for according to what he says, he will be protected. Imagine an our lady hearing these words. Wouldn't she... Mourn, been saddened do you think that her son is going to have to suffer all this and for many of us the thought of a loved one going through horrible tortures and suffering would make us would drag us down but mary didn't focus on herself she was must have thought something like I don't want him to be alone he's going to suffer all this for all of us he's going to feel very much alone I need to accompany him in some way take away or relieve that suffering he has to endure and this hope of helping our Lord, assisting him, comforted her in her sadness. Of course, that sadness would be renewed at the presentation when they present Jesus in the temple. And Simeon prophesies Behold this child is set for the fall and the rising of many in Israel and a sign that will be spoken again, contradicted and a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts would be revealed. Mary starts understanding the prophecy or confirming the prophecies the Zechariah. Zachary pointed out to her. The Magi will come from the east and bring gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh showing the glory of this child. But then Mary's going to be woken up in the middle of the night by Joseph. Get up quick. We have to leave. I'll explain it to you later. And they pack up their bags quickly. Leave town in the middle of the night. When they get a good safe distance, Joseph, they stop for a break, and Joseph explains how an angel appeared to him at night, telling him that Herod is trying to seek the child's life. the fear that must have came upon Mary. While they're almost to Egypt, word gets to them that the massacre of the innocent children in Bethlehem, and how much sadness that must have brought Our Lady. She knew those children that were killed she knew their mothers and how sad they must have been. And to think that her child was the cause of their demise and that so much sadness. But her sorrow, her mourning was comforted knowing that those children would be witnesses, martyrs and share in a great glory in heaven because they witnessed to the Messiah. Mary experienced sadness. We can think of when Jesus was lost in the temple and they had traveled the whole day and then not finding Jesus. What panic must have struck Our Lady? Could this be the time? And I'm not there to accompany him. And just the not knowing what happened overwhelmed our lady. A horrible darkness came upon her. She couldn't pray. She and Joseph returned as quickly as they could to Jerusalem. And on the third day they go to the temple because she couldn't pray, just to plead with our Lord, give her some light. And there they find Jesus. She was comforted, and yet she knew more was to come. She could see things mounting in our Lord's public life, how more and more the leaders of the Jews were opposing him. And I think on the Last Supper, Mary could sense our Lord's anxiousness. that this was something culminating with her woman's intuition. She knew something was coming. And at the end of of the Last Supper meal, before our Lord went out, she looked at our Lord and she could sense the great stress he was undergoing. Maybe the veins in his... started to pop out. We know he would start sweating blood shortly after that. But Mary could sense it ahead of time, even though the apostles were clueless. She starts to pray there in the upper room, accompanying Jesus as he goes into the garden to pray. Then there's the pounding on the door of the up, of that room. Judas comes with these cohorts of soldiers looking for Jesus. They can't find him where they had celebrated the Last Supper because Jesus had left. But Judas knows where elsewhere to look. He takes the soldiers and heads towards the garden. Mary weeps, saddened that his close friend and ally had betrayed him. Mary must have kept vigil Praying, supporting our Lord from afar. And when John brings news that Jesus had been condemned to death by crucifixion, Mary says, I have to be out there with him. John tries to dissuade her and says, look, the crowd has gone mad. They will tear you to pieces like they're trying to tear him to pieces. Don't go, woman. But Mary says, no, I have to be there with him. She goes to the way of the cross. She goes to the crucifixion. A sword pierces her heart. But she is comforted because she is loved. She is comforted because she has been by her beloved in his agonizing last hour, not leaving him be alone. Knowing showing him by his, her presence that she is with him through it all and she is comforted by the knowledge of his love and appreciation. Our Lady of Sorrows is blessed. She doesn't think about herself, that's why she's blessed. She doesn't think of her suffering, even though she's suffering greatly. She doesn't feel sorry for herself. Can you imagine Our Lady at the foot of the cross, thinking to herself, gee, I wish I would have married another man. No, not someone so holy like Saint Joseph, just a normal man, and then I could have had normal children in a normal family and I wouldn't be suffering like this it's absurd Mary wasn't feeling sorry for herself she was comforted because her heart loved and because she was totally united to the object of her love and that's a great grace a great blessing And she teaches us, too, to learn how to suffer in this way, to mourn that this is a pathway to Jesus, that when we suffer without feeling sorry for ourselves, that in a sense that we're accompanying Jesus by our suffering, by our mourning, that it's a pathway to Jesus and therefore a pathway to love, and we are really blessed. Saint Maria, the founder of Opus Dei, understood this. There's an anecdote that I like about him that occurred shortly after the Spanish Civil War. It was when they were going through great depravity, physical, dep- deprived of many material things, practically starving to death. And he was starting to get Opus Dei started anew. With nothing. But then people started calling him names, calling him a heretic, opposing what he was doing. They were jealous of him. And so much so that one day he was at his desk, it was fairly early in the morning, and he just sensed something was wrong. So he gets up from his desk and he goes to the chapel that they had in one of the first centers of Opus Dei and went before our Lord in the blessed sacrament and said, Lord, don't you love me? You haven't sent me any crosses today. Don't you love me? Now you've got to realize this was fairly early in the morning. It was like 10 o'clock. For Spanish time, that's early. And he was complaining to our Lord that he hadn't received any difficult crosses yet that day. While I was, was praying, the phone rang. And it was a small chapel and the phone was not too far away. And nobody was answering the phone so he gets up from the chapel and he answers the phone and he calls it a hard knock somebody had to relay some really difficult news to him he went back to the chapel back to our lord in the blessed sacrament and said lord thank you now i know you love me in fact he was just boiling over with joy he had to tell someone and he went scouring through the center which was housing mostly university students and some people were working, but nobody was home. Everybody had gone off to classes or to their jobs, and he scoured the house. Finally, he found one of his spiritual sons there in the garden doing some repair or something. He told him what happened, and of course this young man looked at him and said, Are you feeling okay, Father? And he went back to his desk, back to his work, filled with joy, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. They shall understand how they are loved and how they are united to Christ through that mourning. Our Lady, Our Lady of Sorrows, is truly blessed. And she's going to be there for us, much like the centurion who approached our Lord In the gospel begging our Lord for this servant that was so dear to him our Lord says I'll come and cure him he says no you don't have to Lord I trust that you will take care of this matter by sending one of your servants not realizing our Lord would send an angel to do that but our lady identifies with our sadness our sorrow and she will bring our petitions before our Lord. She identifies with our mourning, hears and sees our needs, and reaches out to us. Mary, may you teach us to love like you did, and to mourn with a heart fully identified with you. And with your Son, Jesus Christ. And that we will find in those little crosses that our Lord sends us each day. Christ, our love.